0: Romans chapter 12, they're found in your bulletin, verses 12 to 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who is a type was a type of the one who was to come but the free gift is not like the trespass for if many died through one man's trespass much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man Jesus Christ abounded for many and the free gift is not like the result Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'll invite Tim forward.
1: Well, good morning. It's very good to see each one of you here this morning, um, here to worship God with us. Um, Before we get into the sermon, I'm just going to say a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this morning and that we can come and uh, learn about your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for uh, the sacrifice that you gave in giving him as a ransom for us. Father, I thank you that we can find life in him, and that we have been made righteous through his one act. Um, God, as we look at your word, help us to remember um, what Jesus did on the cross and what that means for us today, and uh, help us to live lives that glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've been with us for any number of Sundays since the beginning of September, you'll know that we're in a series called You Are Here, finding our place in the biggest story ever told. Last Sunday, Chris introduced us to the second section of that series, which is looking at Jesus Christ and how he is a fulfillment of all of the covenants that we find in the Old and New Testaments. So, with that in mind, we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning, and we're going to look at Adam... And we're going to look at Christ and we're going to compare and see how Christ fulfills all of the roles which Adam was meant to fill and how he even surpassed Adam in the fulfillment of those roles. So in the Bible, there are two main passages that compare directly Adam with Christ. And those are Romans 5, 12 to 21, which Chris just read for us. The other is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 45 to 49 specifically. And that's where we get this phrase, the last Adam. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 45 says, thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So the scriptures themselves invite us to make this comparison between Adam and Christ. And so that's where we're going to go this morning. So Romans five fourteen says this, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Now, this language of a type is used in the Bible. Uh, It's used when something in the past foreshadows something that's coming or something that did come later, which is similar to that first thing, yet greater and far surpasses it. So an easy example is um, the tabernacle and the temple. So the tabernacle was a type of the temple in that they they served the exact same purpose, but the tabernacle pointed forward to the temple because the temple is so much greater. It's so much more marvelous. It's so much more splendid in the way it's adorned and decorated. And it's so much greater because it stays in one place. The temple does not move, meaning that all of God's people could come to that one place. So that's an example of what a, a type is. In, in the biblical narrative. And so that's what's used here. Adam is a type of Christ. All the things that Adam was and did, Jesus either did the same thing or did something even better. So first we'll see um, that Jesus perfectly fulfilled in a far better way than Adam did, the roles of prophet, priest, and king. Second, we'll see that although each was tempted, Adam failed and gave in, while Christ perfectly resisted temptation and remained sinless for his whole life. The third thing that we'll be able to see is that while Adam's disobedience brought sin and death and condemnation to all mankind, Christ's perfect obedience brings life and forgiveness for all of us who believe in him. So nearly two months ago, this is a while ago if you were here, Chris preached a sermon about creation. Uh, in that sermon, he outlined three roles that Adam played, which were prophet, priest, and king, which is our first point for this morning. So when we looked at creation, we considered how Adam was a prophet. Looking back in Genesis, we can see a couple of ways in which this is true. First, we can see that Adam was a prophet and that he communicated God's word to God's people. Now, you might be thinking, well, wasn't God's people only like two people back then? And that's true, but they're still God's people, and Adam still brought God's word to them. God gave Adam the command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know from Genesis 3 that Eve also had knowledge of that same command. So we can assume that somewhere in there, Adam would have told Eve about that very command. He brought God's word to God's people. Another thing that we can note about Adam being a prophet is from the books of prophecy in the Bible, we know that one of their roles was to urge the people of God to repent and to turn back from their sin and to return to God. Now, Adam didn't do that very well, did he? Because when he found Eve eating the fruit that they were commanded not to eat, he didn't rebuke her. He didn't say, Eve, don't eat that. God said, we'll die if we do that. He followed her and then actually did the same thing as she did. But when we look at the life of Jesus, we know that he is a prophet because he brought God's word to God's people. His entire life was spent preaching the word of God and preaching the kingdom of God. And actually, Jesus is called the word. John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. We know that that word that John was talking about is Jesus himself. Further, Hebrews 1 tells us that God spoke to our fathers in the past through the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So we know that Jesus himself brings us God's word and is himself that very word. But Jesus wasn't just like Adam in the prophetic sense. Jesus surpassed him as a prophet where Adam failed to bring God's people to repentance and to remind Eve of the coming judgment that was sin and death, Jesus successfully brought all of us to repentance through his spirit and through his death on the cross. He spent a lot of his time on earth preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Not only did he preach repentance, he also resisted sin so that he had no need for repentance. He provided the only way for God's people to return to him. He provided the only way for people to truly repent and to turn back to God. John fourteen, six tells us that nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. So we know that where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded as a prophet. And where Adam even did succeed, Jesus fulfilled that role far better than Adam ever could have. So another thing that we considered in the creation sermon was how Adam is a priest. Uh, One of the greatest ways that we can see this is between the comparison between the tabernacle and the Garden of Eden. Um, There's many parallels in the scriptures that invite us to make that um, comparison. And we know that the garden was kind of a type of the tabernacle. So the priest's task in the tabernacle was to work it and to keep it. And we can see in Genesis that those are the exact same two words that God used when he put Adam in the garden. Genesis 2.15 says that God put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. So the priests were kind of like Adam in that sense, um, in that they worked and kept the tabernacle. If the Garden of Eden was the first tabernacle, then Adam was the first priest yet we know that Adam also failed to do that very well. He worked it, and we know that because we also work the earth, but Adam didn't very well keep the garden. We know that because in the very fact that the serpent was able to enter the garden and to deceive Eve, Adam didn't do his job in protecting and keeping the garden. But we do know that Jesus succeeded in keeping the serpent out. <clears throat> when Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted, Jesus resisted perfectly and used Scripture to totally debunk what the what Satan was saying. Um, next week, Chris is going to preach about that a little bit more on how Chris or how sorry on how Christ um, perfectly defeated the serpent. So I won't spend too much time there, but. Look forward to next week. Uh, There are several texts in the New Testament that tell us that Jesus is our high priest. Hebrews 5 and following tells us that Jesus is our great high priest and that he gives us access to the Father. 1 Timothy 2 also tells us that Jesus is our priest and that he makes intercession for us. Further, where Adam's sin separated us from God, and that's why that veil was needed in the temple to separate the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle or the temple and the people, Jesus Christ provided a way for us to enter that Holy of Holies. When he died, that veil was torn and we were given access to the the most high God for all of eternity. So where Adam may have failed as a priest, we know that Jesus succeeded perfectly and even did better than Adam ever could have was one more role in the creation sermon that we looked at that Adam played, and that was the role of king. We know that Adam was the king um, for a couple of reasons. The first, you'll remember, is that he was made in the image of God. Now, in the, in the cultural milieu of the time that Moses was writing, a lot of the other cultures and nations referred to their kings as the image of whatever God they served and only the king was referred to as that image. So when the Israelites would have read or heard the Pentateuch and they would have read that Adam was the image of God, they would have made that connection that oh, then Adam must be the king because only kings are in the image of God. <clears throat> the second way that we know that Adam was a king comes from what God commanded him. In Genesis 1:28, God says, "Be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. God commanded Adam to be the king over all of creation. Now we also know that Adam didn't have dominion over everything because he didn't exercise it. When the serpent came in, it was Adam's role and Adam's task to have dominion over that serpent and to subdue it. But Adam didn't do that. He allowed the serpent to deceive them and to have his own way. And in a sense, he allowed the serpent to have dominion over Adam and Eve rather than having his own dominion over the serpent. But Jesus, as we know, and as you can guess, is the perfect king. In Gabriel's announcement to Mary that she would bear the Savior, he told her that the Lord God would give him the throne of his father David, And that he would reign over the house of Jacob forever, and that of his kingdom there would be no end. Pretty clearly, Jesus was going to be the king. Even before he was born, that was what he was destined to do. There's another similarity here that we can draw in that Christ is also the image of God, just like Adam was. So, for the same reason that Adam was king in being the image of God, Jesus is also the king but we also know that Jesus surpasses Adam here as well. Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Not only was Jesus the image of God, but he was the radiance of his glory. How much better is that than just an image? He's the radiance. Hebrews 1 actually tells us a lot about how Jesus is the king. But again, I'm not going to say too much here because in a couple weeks, Chris is going to be touching that in another sermon. For now, it's sufficient for us to know that Jesus Christ not only fulfilled the Adamic roles of prophet, priest, and king, but he far surpassed what Adam ever would have been able to do. For our second point, we're going to consider how Each of them, Adam and Christ, were tempted. So Adam's temptation is quite well known. third sermon in our series highlighted the fall and Adam's fall into temptation and sin and its implications on our lives. In that great catastrophe of the fall, Adam and Eve were tempted to eat a fruit that God had commanded them not to eat. Genesis tells us that they saw this fruit and that it was good for food, and a delight to the eyes, and it was desired to make one wise. If you were here with us this summer, we looked at First John, and in First John 2, John tells us not to love the things of the world, which are the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. There's a clear parallel there. And Adam and Eve did not reject the things of the world. They took that fruit, which they were commanded not to eat, and they ate it. Jesus, as we know, was also tempted. Just before beginning his ministry here on earth, he was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by Satan himself. Satan tempted him with three things. He tempted him to make stones into bread when he was hungry, which would be good for food. He tempted him to fall or jump off the temple and command the angels to catch him, which would be a delight to the eyes for everyone to see. And he tempted him to bow down and have <clears throat> bow down to Satan and be given dominion over the whole earth. Desirable to make one wise? Pride of life? I don't know. But there's definitely parallels there. Jesus resisted all of these temptations that Satan brought to him. We also know from Hebrews 4 that Jesus was tempted in every way, not just those three but he remained without sin for the entirety of his life. So not only did Jesus resist the temptation which Adam so easily gave into, he defeated the serpent once and for all and lived a full life, perfectly sinless, giving us righteousness. Which brings us to our final and most important stop for this morning. There's one way in which Adam and Christ are compared that brings all of us today hope. All the things we've considered so far, they don't really mean a whole lot to us without this last point. But this last point isn't a comparison necessarily between Adam and Christ. It's a contrast. Let's look again at Romans 5. We know from earlier that Adam was tempted and gave in, bringing sin and death into the world and to the entire human race. What we haven't considered considered yet is the consequences of that for all of humanity. And it says that right here in Romans, that the consequences is that you and me are both condemned to death. Look at what it says. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. And yet again, many died through one man's trespass. And again, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. And again, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. And yet again, one trespass led to condemnation for all men. And finally, by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So because of Adam's sin, you and I are literally damned. Now that's strong language, but I use it for a reason. I want us to grasp how awful it is that we are all condemned to death and the weight of that. But we know that it doesn't end there. We've all been condemned, but yet through Christ we've been given life. Jesus is so much greater than Adam. Adam brought us death, but Christ brings us life. Whereas Adam brought death by his one act of disobedience, Jesus Christ, by his one perfect act of obedience, and by his life of perfect obedience, brings life to all of us who find faith in him. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, says that, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. This is the greatest way in which Adam failed and the single most wonderful way in which Christ succeeded and surpasses Adam. Instead of receiving the punishment that Adam incurred through his sin, each of us can receive life because of what Jesus did on the cross. And this isn't only because of Jesus' active obedience, or that is his one act of dying on the cross, But it's also because of his passive uh, obedience. That is his entire life of perfect obedience. So we can gain the reward that Christ won on the cross. And the best part is we don't have to do anything except believe. It's a free gift, like Romans 5 says. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he died laying down his life for us, his bride, we have the forgiveness of our sins. And while we once were damned, literally, we now are set free. And for those of us here, this is good news. We can have life eternal and life abundant because of Jesus' death on the cross. And I can't think of a better way to end this morning than by what we're going to do next and that is baptism. Two people are getting baptized this morning. By doing this, they're declaring to all of us here that they've believed in Jesus and that they trust him for their salvation. They're also proclaiming that they will follow him and obey his commands, and in doing so, they're asking us to hold them accountable to that. But what I like the most about this is that baptism is deeply symbolic, It's symbolic of somebody putting to death their former way of life and their sinfulness and being raised to new life in Christ. Romans 6.4 says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Could there be any better way to end than by considering how these two people have put to death death? The Adam that is in them and that they are being raised to life in Christ, I don't think there's any better way. So let's pray and then I'll invite Chris up. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, and for the fact that he is such a better Adam than Adam was. And Lord, I thank you for giving him, sending him to fulfill all those roles for us so that we can have the reward that you won through him on the cross. God, I thank you for <clears throat> giving us salvation and for allowing us to come into your presence, God. Thank you for saving us from the grave and from eternal punishment, Lord. God, help us to remember the commitment that we have made to you and help us to remember that we have found new life in you, your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to live lives that reflect that and that glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.